Hi, this is Sam Lagana with the Los Angeles Rams. Who's house? You're listening to the Los Angeles Rams UK Podcast. Undenied worldwide. The Los Angeles Rams. It doesn't get any better than this. Let's go Rams. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the LA Rams UK Podcast. On my last check, I think this is now episode 68, and yes, it's me, Chris, back to host this week. So, the Rams put us all through an emotional roller coaster once again this week, uh, where the curse struck uh, in our home defeat against the 49ers on Sunday evening for us over in the UK. The score finished 27-24, but with the Cardinals' defeat also, we were crowned NFC West champions, which had a little bit of a bittersweet taste, but... Again, it's a fantastic achievement for the franchise once again. So to go through all of that and, and break it all down, obviously with the normal format this week with me, as I like to always say, the Don, the Godfather, but we, as I'm now going to call him our podcast king, Tony, how are you? I'm very well indeed, Chris. How are you? Yeah, very good, very good. And Andy's still not really got an intro for you, mate, so we just have to keep just call you Bog Standard Andy, if that's right with you. Yeah, that's fine. I get cold worse, trust me. <laughs> nice to be back on and uh, hope you're doing well. Good to have you, mate. Yeah, all good here, all good here. Um, first things first, I'm going to hand over to Tony because, as we all know, he is our stat man. Tony tells me it's a special day today as we were recording on Wednesday the 12th of January. Tony, um, please go that, through. Thank you very much, Chris. Indeed, today is Los Angeles Rams Day, as many people will be aware, because in 1946, on the 12th of January, it was announced that the Cleveland Rams would be moving to Los Angeles. And on the 12th of January in 2016, it was announced that the St. Louis Rams would be returning to Los Angeles. And again, in 2017, on the 12th of January, it was announced that Sean McVay would be joining the Los Angeles Rams. So the 12th of January shall ever forth be known as LA Rams Day. I told you they were good, Andy. They certainly are, yeah. I was not <laughs> expecting that. He's, he's either knows this far too well or he's got far too much time on his hands or he's been Googling all day. Or did Twitter tell you? Uh, Wikipedia is our Wikipedia, friend. Wikipedia, yeah, I've got you. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> No, Tony, good stuff on that. I like that. LA Rams Day. Happy LA Rams Day, everybody. Yep, same to you. No, so let's get straight into it then, fellas. Uh, we And I've put on my notes, let's discuss slash vent about the game. So, Tony, my first question to you is, why can't we beat them? I've no idea. It pains me greatly, Chris. <laughs> it, it, it really does. You know, I know a lot of people detest the Seattle Seahawks but um, for, for me it's always been the San Francisco 49ers that have been our deadly rivals and I, I think the last few seasons I think it's been the run game that's really stuffed us they just completely ram it down our throats and we just don't seem to have an answer to it and that's that's the simple answer for me I'm afraid we, we just we just can't handle that that really physical game that they throw at us Andy, what, what what is it? Is it is it something in the mind? Is it something we can't handle? What is it? Um, to be honest, I personally think going back to what I said a while ago, we run what's known in the trade as the Shanahan off Shanahan offense. So you know, I think it's just a case of, to be honest, McVay sometimes just gets out coached by Shanahan because he knows what he's going to do, and you know he can adjust better. 
And I think that's one thing that keeps coming back to is I worry that the team just don't seem to be adjusted. It's plan A, this is what we're going to do. And when it's not working or it goes a bit wrong, we don't seem to ever have a plan B. No, I think I agree there. And that's that's one thing that I've, I've got written down here. Is it too much of Carol Shanahan knowing what they thinks because they effectively think the same thing? So and, and it just, the, the, it's like two, well, you'd say two rams collide, but it's, it's just a knock of heads. And, and unfortunately, we, we always seem to come out on the wrong side of it. And you're sitting there with 17 nil up, Tony, and you're thinking it's coming to half time. We've got this record. We're 46 and 0. Went in the, if McVeigh's winning in the second half. And then what happens? Well, I mean, it did. It felt it felt really good just before half time when it was at 17 nil up. It felt I felt really confident. I thought this is it. We're going to break it. And we knew that the Niners were going to have the ball to start the second half. And I think that field goal just gave them a bit of heart at the end yeah. of the half. It changed and the team talk, surely. I, I, I mean, I think it did. I mean, obviously, there were still two scores down. And it just changed the momentum. They came out and stuffed us. We, we, we just weren't the same team in the second half, weren't we? I do feel a little bit responsible. Oh, dear. Um, I'm going to put it out to the masses here now that I do feel a little bit responsible for this because Tony messaged me or messaged the group, shall we say, Sunday morning, saying he was nervous but also excited. I messaged him at half-time and went, what is it to be nervous about with various different gifts? And then I opened an alcoholic drink at that point. I feel like I got a little bit or two ahead of myself. Chris, I'm just disappointed. I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Andy, yourself, you're sitting there watching it at half-time, you're probably making yourself a cup of tea, which we know that you've got at the moment, thinking... Yeah, we now go and put the the shoe on the throat, as I think I even put on a chat. But what what was you thinking as they came out in the second half? It just looked like a completely different team, right? Yeah, again, it just looked like they went in at half time. The coaching team made adjustments, um, both on offense and defense, and we just sort of came out with like, "Yep, yeah, it's working. Let's go." And we never changed anything. You know, it's just. Again, it's just that thing of we don't seem to change. And I don't know why, if it's not not wanting to put anything on McVeigh, is he too stubborn to change or does he not really know how to? You know, there's, there's questions that I think people are starting to wonder about, you know, is he this great prodigy that everybody thinks he is or is it a case of, you know, it's plan A or nothing? Yeah. Do you think sometimes... Um... Again, we talk about the stat, which I'm actually quite glad that stat is now gone in a way, because it's not spoken about. But do you think there's an arrogance to the fact that we're up and why should we change? Yeah, sometimes, yeah, as I say, it could be stubbornness or arrogance. It, it just seems to, it comes across with that feeling. I don't know why, there just seems to be that feeling in the back of your mind that, you know, he has this arrogance of, you know, I think he's coming at a young, not against the guy, he's coming at a young age. Everybody's got, oh, he's this, you know, offensive you know, minded prodigy and everything else. And sometimes you just wonder, has that got to his head a little bit that, you know, he now has this chip on his shoulder that, you know, oh, what I do is perfect. I'm wonderful. I'm Mr. Great. And, you know, that he doesn't seem to want to, either doesn't want to or doesn't know how to make changes. And, you know, that's where maybe he needs somebody a little bit more senior still over him to sort of, you know, 
an offensive coordinator say to take over the playbook and say, all right, we need to make changes. Let me take over and do it. That's exactly what I was about to say. And, and is it, is it now that he's effectively built a coaching staff in one way or another? Some coaches have left because of other jobs, but is it now to the point that everybody will actually say yes, rather than somebody saying no, Tony, do you think we've spoken about it before, but is it now coming to the, to the head of that? And obviously now we're in, we're in playoff football. Is that even going to show itself again? I mean, I, th- I think that's part of it, Chris, is that, you know, I think he likes to build in his own image. And I, th- I th- you know, we saw with, um, potentially with, with coaching changes that a lot of our coaches on the offense and defense go on to be head coaches. So there's, there's a lot to be um, said for his, yeah, his quality, his, there. his recruitment of coaches to come in, but we only seem to keep them for one, possibly two seasons. So you don't get any longevity. And there is, I think there's a lot to be said for possibly bringing in an older head. Not on, not on the defensive side of the ball, potentially this time, but maybe on the offensive side of the ball. And McVeigh has to give up the play calling on a regular basis. Now he's he's got to he's got to concentrate on being the head coach, having the strategic view, and having the overall game plan. But he's got to let go of the offense just 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 a little bit and let let the OC have have their say. There's, and again, I don't know the statistic, and I'm kind of putting it out there. But and you may you may be able to joke on this as well as yourself, Tony. But how many head coaches, and, and there has been a few during the season that are having to call the plays because of COVID situations with coaches going down and whatever else. But it feels like he is probably one of the most hands-on head coaches as a calling a play than there is in the NFL. Full stop. I don't know if that's me seeing it because I'll probably watch more, but. It just feels that way that he feels more hands-on than than some than others. Andy, do you think it's probably about rightly thinking that, or am I seeing it from a different eye? No, there are some. There are some who you know they're there literally as a head coach, more as you know. You look at a Mike Tomlin; he's more, I think, a player personnel coach rather than you know an offensive defensive minded. So he lets his staff do that stuff and he concentrates mainly on the players and the morale mm. and you know keeping things going you know you do get some coaches who are a little bit more hands-on you know one side of, of or the other but you know a lot of teams do seem to have okay you know y- your main job is to look after everything then we'll designate it off which is what yeah. you, you know yet your defensive and offensive head coaches are supposed to be able to do you know that's the whole point you know people are saying you know the Lincolns, some more of our coaches, you know, Kevin O'Connell, for example, for, you know, head coaches jobs. But you look and think, how much of an influence does he actually have on this team? You know, and that, that that's something, you know, it, it, is it just a case of he's there because, you know, they have to have one or does he actually have any influence on the games and what's being called? You know, and that's something that I often wonder, I wonder about is just how much of an influence he's getting. I know it's it's an interesting thing, and I think it's one that will well we will see will open up itself more as we come into the off season, and let's hope that off season is a little bit narrower than than we, we we've seen it in previous because obviously we're going to go deep into into February. Um, but Tony, it, it, let's look at the game as 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 two halves, which I suppose you've got to look at it as first half. 
standout performances for yourself? Well, I think it's got to be Higby. You know, yeah. the, the, the two touchdowns were just phenomenal. He, he seemed to be on such a run of having great hands, being in the right place, and being the go-to guy. And it was just phenomenal. The, you know, the, the the first touchdown was was only a two-yard, and then, you know, we made San Francisco punt on the next one, and then we drove downfield again, and it was another Higby touchdown. And didn't it all feel as though it was just rolling on? And, yeah, you know, which, we, which we thought he may have been going out of the game at one point where he limped off the field. Oh, what, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> and then his celebration showed that, no, he was okay. Yeah, that was strange. It was strange. Yeah, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, he's injured himself scoring. And then it was like, that was a weird celebration. You know, don't do that again, please. <laughs> uh, it scared the bejesus out of me. And, you know, I mean, as much as we had that opening drive, we ended in that 43-yard field goal for Matt Gay. It felt as though the whole momentum was with us. And we, we, we could do no wrong. It was, mm. it, was, it was working perfectly. We, we had the lion's share of possession. We, we could drive down the field pretty much at will. And it was only after the, well, you know, there was the Higby touch, um, second touchdown, f- closely followed by the, the rap interception, which we then had to punt. And then San Francisco came back with the 42-yard the field goal. And, you know, it's such a little thing. But the whole game sort of te- seemed to turn on that field goal. Yeah. What about yourself, Andy? Where where do you feel that it changed? I think there was a potential one play, wasn't there? Was it a, a, was it a fourth and inches or a, a third and inches where we were there and it, and it seemed to flip on that? Yeah, that I think was where it went. You know, we seemed to get to that position and then they scored and then it seemed to be, you know, all downhill from there. You know, let's say the first... You know, first quarter and most of the second quarter, we, you know, we felt like we were in control, and you know, we were going to walk, you know, potentially walk away with a really good result out of this game. And then, as I say, it just seemed to be a couple of plays, and then a field goal, and then it just never felt the same again throughout the rest of the game. It always felt like you know we were battling, and we weren't going to come out on top. I was, I was sat here watching the game myself, thinking we're. 17-0 coming a couple of minutes to the half and I'm thinking oh, we might see maybe in the fourth quarter we see Stafford sitting he'll get his cap on and he'll stick the earpiece in and start listening to see John Walford take a few plays and that's how I was thinking about it because of the way it was being played but as you say they come out in the second half and I was potting around doing bits and bobs and I'm thinking this isn't going how I thought it would go and then that's when I took a little bit more interest and it's like Oh my God! What what is going on here? And then all hell broke loose. Then and it's like, oh my word! What are we going to turn into here? Do you know what I mean? And then it was just it was painful to watch. I think at the end, but I think Andy, I think we've been through that a few times this season, which kind of worries me in a little bit. That you're now not sure if you're expecting that to come. Yeah, exactly. You know, we are, you know, we've had a few games this season that have been close and have been painful to watch, you know, and we've had to grind out wins. You know, they've not all been pretty wins that, you know, we'd love to see. Um, But, you know, you'd you'd hope that by having games this season, which you've ground out and, you know, it's not been pretty and, you know, you've had to go deep 
you know, that that we'd be used to that now. But it seemed mm. to be again, we weren't. It didn't seem to be. You know, it was like, oh, okay, uh, what what are we going to do now? You know, and I say I keep harking back to it, but it, it did seem like okay, this isn't working now. But there's nothing else to do. We're just going to have to crack on, and you know, eventually yeah. we might get it to work again. No, definitely. Um, and a couple, sorry, go on, Andy, carry on. You know, and even you know, it, it seemed like Stafford second, you know, between first and second half, he seemed to be full of confidence in the first half and slinging it round and looking good. And then, you know, we came to the second half and it was, again, it was like two different players. It was like a Jekyll and Hyde moment for you know, for them. Yeah, and that, that was going to be my next point was about Matthew Stafford. And it's the, the how the he can see the confidence and, and see things moving forward and how it can obviously change within a game. And there was a couple of passes in there, and, and we'll, we'll talk about potentially interceptions and things further on, but the one pass that scared me throughout the whole of the game, and Tony, and I don't know if you remember it yourself, is where he, he, he peeled out to the right, couldn't see what he was doing, and threw it straight across the line of scrimmage. And I just didn't understand what he was doing. I, don't, I didn't see what he think potentially could see. And it just felt like he got really flustered and kind of got the reality of where he was in the season, if that makes sense to you. I don't know where you, what your thoughts are on, on his performance as such. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think Matthew Stafford did that much wrong, to be honest. You know, I mean, okay, there were the two interceptions and he should never have thrown it to Skronik when he was in double coverage like that. Mm. But is that type of play, and we discussed it last week, that, you know, both Sean McVeigh and Matthew Stafford like to entertain, they like to put, they like to make the flashy plays, they like to make the Hollywood pass, as as Chris said last week. Mm. And, you know, that's what they're there for. And I've, I've got no problem with that, but it's not always going to work out the way you want it to. Yeah. And... As much as he's clocked up, what is it, 40, 40 touchdowns this season? And is 41. It 41 now. Okay. And is it something so, like 17 interceptions? So, yeah, it was. I was listening to something earlier where um, NFL Network were talking to Kurt Warner. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was 41 touchdowns, which effectively tied to Kurt Warner's record. But he also tied Trevor Lawrence for the most interceptions in the NFL this year. Mm. Which... It's bittersweet, isn't it? It's great. He's he's throwing all those touchdowns pretty much to Cooper Cup most of the time, which we'll get onto in a minute. But there's always that Jekyll in the corner, the something sitting on your shoulder to the fact that effectively we we've tied one, if not the worst team, the one of the worst teams in the NFL's interceptions with a rookie. So there's and the, and I think as you say, Tony, that is probably what well how he wants to play the game effectively McVeigh isn't it it's let's try and outscore more than the opponents yes they may still score but we try and outscore him I think that's the way he's gonna he wants to play the game and I think part of that is you know is the entertainment value you know the Rams have been away from Los Angeles for 20 years Okay, they've been here since 2017. We've had five seasons where we've won the division three times out of five. Yeah. 
we, we are building the fan base. We are building the momentum around the franchise. And, you know, looking back at the Jeff Fisher years, would you would you have taken three divisional titles in five years with a new with a new gen, with exactly. new coaching? But you know that's 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 all positives. You know the the only disappointment disappointing year we've had was after the Super Bowl loss when we went nine and seven and finished third in the division, and you know you know th- these are great times. Yeah, these are, these are great times for the for the franchise. You know, three divisional titles, five years. We've finished second and third in the other two years, and we, we've made the the playoffs in all but one season. Yeah, one thing you've you've mentioned there, Tony, and we will get back into the game and and, and maybe break down a couple of other things. But I've seen a couple of people or a lot of people venting their anger on Twitter around how much red was in the stadium and people that were actually in the stadium on how much red was in the stadium and how um, and season ticket holders that had sold out their ticket. It was very, very prominent from watching it on TV how many 49ers fans were in the stadium to the fact that it felt like a road game. What was your thoughts on that, Andy, when you actually seen on a third down play that we're having to go to a silent camp? Yeah, it was, you know, it was worrying, you know. It's, you know... <sighs> It's the fact that, you know, unfortunately, San Francisco is just up the road, so yeah. it's not a massive travel for them, you know. But I think I've replied to someone on the Discord group, um, you know, it's going to take time for us to develop that, you know, fan base. It's probably going to take us 10, 15 years to get a loyal fan base of a few generations. And at the end of the day, LA has predominantly been a basketball, you know, yeah. city, you know, so it's just going to take time. You know, the fact that people are selling on the tickets, well, you know, it ain't good. It doesn't look good for us. But, you know, there's, there's, you know, it's there's not much we can do, but it is worrying the fact that we're going to, you know, as you say, to silent counts because we can't cope with the noise mm. for what's supposed to be a home game. But I think, I hate to bring them up, but both LA teams are going to be suffering that for a number of years because... Historically, you've got the Niners up the road. You've historically had the Raiders. So a lot of fans from that area will still be supporting those teams. And it's about getting that change, which unfortunately isn't going to happen overnight. Mm. Tony? I think the main thing well, the main thing I want to say about that, Chris, is that the schedule is fixed at the beginning of the season, the regular season. Mm-hmm. San Francisco Niners fans will have ringmarked this in their calendar as a road trip they want to attend before the season started. And they will have been buying tickets as soon as they were available. So if they were going to make one road trip in the season, this is potentially the one that they made. And you know, it didn't it didn't matter what was on the game. They could have been bottom of the division, no chance of the playoffs. And they, they potentially would have been selling their tickets back to, or trying to sell their tickets back to Rams fans. Yeah. But because there was so much on it, they'd already got their tickets, they'd maybe bought them back in October, September time. And this was their weekend out. It was always going to be the case unless they were completely dead and buried in the division. And it was that pre-planning. And, you know, it, it, it's not a season ticket sellout. 
completely. There are tickets available, and there are a lot of touts that have bought tickets that are fans of no particular team. They, they just know that they can sell the tickets on to oh, yeah, pe- people like San Francisco and Seattle and, and other, you know, people like Philadelphia. They travel well, Baltimore Ravens. It's not that they travel well. I mean, a lot of fans will come across across state lines and across the country. But there's a lot of people from different who support different franchises already in Southern California. And the Niners fans will have earmarked this game as one they were going to attend come hell or high water. No, definitely. Yeah, it was, I just thought it was, it was an interesting point, which I thought was worth bringing up because there was some definite anger from some. And, and that is, I think that's always going to be the point when you don't win. <laughs> It might have been a little, little bit different to have all of their fans in in the stadium and they didn't win, but it's just one of the one of those things that potentially that like you say, Andy, I think is going to be that we have to deal with. We we obviously had to deal with it in the Coliseum a couple of times as well, and it, like you say, it's going to take time, isn't it? And and we are here to try and help from this side of the pond, and I know there's a lot of people trying to push it on the other side as well, and we can only do our little bit on that basis. Yeah, as you say, it's just one of them things, unfortunately, you know, I think the anger is also more so because, you know, they are a division rival, you know, if it had been somebody, Cleveland Browns or, you know, there may not have been that anger that there is just because it was a divisional rival and how much was on the game. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I'm going to ask you the first question on this one, Tony, because I know you you will be quite happy to, uh, to talk about it. Uh, the Cooper Cup touchdown, which effectively gave him the triple crown. Please discuss. Oh, you know, wasn't it great for him to actually get that reception? You know, he, he, he got a fair few players, but I mean, just the positioning and the, the delight and everything. What was? Don't, don't you just love it when that happens? And you know, <laughs> we, 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 are there only four players ever in the NFL that have actually won the triple crown as a receiver? And isn't Matthew Stafford the quarterback for two of them now? Is, yeah, and, he is. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's there's got to be a lot said for Matthew Stafford. You know, he's he's made Megatron and whatever nickname we're going to come. Is it King Cup we've got now? And I just think it's Tony's boy, but that sounds a bit strange. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound a little bit strange. Yeah, we'll, we'll, stick, with, we'll stick with King Cup and it feels great because it, it has been a good season. We finished the season. What is it? Twelve and five, mm. and we've we've won the division again. We've got a receiver who has been playing teams off the park, and we've racked up forty-one touchdowns. And it's it's been a good season. It's just been we've just lost that momentum at the end of the season. And yeah. I'm just really pleased that Cooper Cup got that touchdown, got those receptions, but didn't quite, he didn't quite get the yardage to, 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 to win out. But, you know, it was great to see. So, Andy, why can't he win the MVP? Why does it have to be a quarterback? Well, this is the age-old argument, isn't it? You know, the MVP traditionally seems to be a quarterback, you know, award. But then if you're going to go down that route, surely the quarterback that's got cup those, you know, that, that's triple crown should be in that conversation if it is. But, you know, to me, I feel Cooper Cup should be the MVP person in myself. It's just, because... a, it's not in the conversation with anyone you hear, isn't it? It's just quite interesting. Yeah, he is. But then how often, you know, can defensive players have dominant years, but yeah. they're never even mentioned into it 
it just seems to be the quarterback is the glitzy guy and that's who the voters are going to go for because they're the face of the franchise unfortunately that's it, you know, that's, that's, it. that's the way it is but in my eyes there isn't anybody more deserving than cup to win mvp just for what he's done this season i probably don't need to ask you that question do i tony no no ticket is red that cooper cup should be mvp <laughs> and he will always be yours indeed <laughs> Tony, is there anything else you want to add into that game? Then have you got any notes that you want to add in? No, just that, you know, it was literally a game of two halves. You know, it felt we we all felt so elated at half time. And then just to come crashing down in overtime was just completely deflating. And it seemed it seemed to drag on for ages, didn't it? Mm. Ages and ages. I thought, oh, we could be in bed by like half past eleven. And then it was like nearly one o'clock. I know. I was thinking <laughs> exactly the same thing myself. <laughs> Andy, anything else to add on that game, or are we better off just putting it in the can and forgetting about it? I think the only thing, one, one other thing I think I'll probably mention is just, you know, the final two minutes of the fourth quarter. It was, again, such soft defence. We were just giving them the yards to, to get up the field, you know, and again, it's like you can see what's happening. But we don't. We didn't seem to want to stop it or couldn't stop it. Really, we, we that shouldn't have happened. And that's my only worry is that you're going to come up again. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is not exactly the first name that you think of of quarterbacks who are good at two minute offense and can do that. And my worry is if we come up against somebody like a Brady or you know a Rogers, that they're just going to eat us alive. And that that is my biggest worry on that one. But yeah, that's apart from that. You know, it's just move on to next week and let's hope for the best yeah definitely let's erase it from the mind and we we move on to to play our football but Tony I, I know that we, we potentially want to just go quickly over a little bit more of to of to why so I'll let you introduce the next bit we do indeed. In what is becoming a regular piece of the podcast now, um, we'd like to introduce Tom again who, with his Tom Talks, and he's going to analyse, um, hopefully, um, why we continue to lose to the San Francisco 49ers. Tom, why do we lose to the Niners? Thanks, Tony. The most frustrating games for Rams fans over the past few seasons have to be those against the division rival 49ers. With the Rams arguably having the more talented side, and with the 49ers often missing a number of star players due to injury, the Rams should be winning some of these games. However, LA are currently on a six-game losing streak to San Francisco. I wanted to take a look at why the Rams struggled to win against the Niners. I must say though, I don't have the definitive answer. If Sean McVay can't figure out how to consistently move the ball, and if Wade Phillips, Brandon Staley and Raheem Morris can't work out how to shut down the Niners' offence, it's unlikely any simple analysis from a fan will suddenly reveal the cause of the Rams' woes. There are a few factors though that we can look at and see why the Rams have found it hard to overcome the Niners. One thing the 49ers have done really well when playing the Rams is make the Rams one-dimensional on offence. The Niners have been successful in preventing the Rams from being consistently successful in the run game. This past weekend, for example, the Rams averaged only 2.4 yards per rush. They only had four runs go for five yards or more, with one of those coming from Cooper Cup. With the running coming mostly on early downs, this put the Rams in third and long situations often, where the 49ers pass rushers could key off on Matthew Stafford. When it comes to pass rushing though, one interesting point from the two games against San Francisco in the 2021 season is that Matthew Stafford had wildly different pressure rates. In fact, 
the Week 10 game was only one of two games this season where Stafford was pressured less than 10% of the time, the other being against Detroit. Conversely, the Week 18 game this past Sunday produced Stafford's highest pressure rate of the season so far, at 37.8%. I don't think it was down to anything the 49ers did differently. Rather, I think the game plan in the earlier game was to get the ball out quickly and avoid the pass rush, whereas Stafford stood in the pocket and absorbed the pressure more this past game. You could see this by looking at Stafford's air yards per completion in the two games. 8.1 from week 18, but only 5.0 in week 10. This would suggest that Stafford waited for deeper routes to get open, rather than taking shorter gains underneath. On the other side of the ball, Kyle Shanahan has developed his offensive game plans to do the one thing the Rams don't want, and that is reduce the effectiveness of Aaron Donald. In 2018, across two games, Donald had five sacks and nine pressures in total when facing the 49ers. The Rams won both of these games. These numbers have steadily reduced over the years, to the point where in 2021, across two games, Aaron Donald had zero sacks and only one pressure. The Rams' defence has always lived and died on the back of the performance of its best player. LA are 10-1 this season when Aaron Donald manages to get to the QB, but only 2-4 when he's held without a sack. The Niners aren't simply blocking Donald out of the play. Rather, they actively try and avoid him in the run and pass game. Often, they will use Donald's ability to penetrate quickly against him, travelling him upfield past the QB or running back. Donald tries to counteract this by slowing down his rush to ensure he doesn't take himself out of the play, which reduces his ability to make plays in the backfield. When this happens, what the Rams really need more than anything is other players to step up and make plays, and this didn't happen often enough on Sunday. While we did see Sean Robinson and Von Miller make plays at times, we didn't see enough from Leonard Floyd at the outside linebacker position. The 49ers also did very well at targeting the Rams' inside linebackers. Both Troy Reader and Trayvon Howard are not your traditional three-down linebackers, with Reader not being great in space and Howard not as strong against the run. It was clear that the Rams really missed Ernest Jones. The final aspect I want to mention is the Niners are an offensive team that will take advantage if you don't play sound football. And one of the very best players at taking advantage is Debo Samuel. Very often against the Niners, we have seen minor breakdowns in outside contain on run defence, or small mistakes in pass coverage, turn into huge back-breaking plays. There have also been a number of plays throughout the years where failures in tackling have led to big gains, where they could have been stopped for minimal yardage had the first defender made the stop. It's clear the 49ers like the matchup of Debo Samuel in space against defensive backs, although they do seem to make a point of avoiding Jalen Ramsey in this situation, and instead aiming Samuel towards the likes of Darius Williams, David Long and Nick Scott. The Rams came the closest they have in three years to beating the 49ers, and I think if it wasn't for injuries in the secondary late on, they would have closed out this game. I think if the Rams played the Niners again this season, in the playoffs, they will have learned enough from the two games this year to finally come out with a much-needed victory. Thanks for that, Tom. Obviously, great insight as ever, and... Hopefully that explains to everybody why we lose to them, but I still not going to get it into my head just yet. But Tony, player updates as we obviously come out of that game. Jordan Fuller out for the season, unfortunately. It looks like quite a bad one as well, I think. It does, yeah. And it's so disappointing as well because he's he's been a uh, a mainstay core player for the defence. And, you know, just for him to be missing out on the, the playoffs, you know, it, it feels reminiscent of other playoff runs where we've lost significant, important players just before they are really, really needed. And it's just so disappointing for him and it, it, potentially a big blow for the team as well. 
Yeah. But as we are here on LA Rams Day, we're now recording it. And it seems like recording on the best day because we, we never get the news on the right day. It always happens when we come off the pod. But Andy, we seem to have we, we've pulled someone into on the defence, which I don't think I was expecting this one. Mr. Weddle's back. Yeah, this is a little bit of a strange one, if you ask me, to be honest with you. It was quite a shock when I saw it, you know. <laughs> I saw the Ramsey thing earlier on today and I thought, OK, you know, who, who's he going for? You know, and you, your mind starts thinking of names. Obviously, I saw everybody flash up with AB. I was like, oh, God, no, please. We don't need that in the locker room. <laughs> no matter we, we what. We thought OBJ was going to be bad enough, but actually he seems quite tame. Yeah. Um, you know, so... But you know, you, you people start saying, you know, it's more likely going to be defense. Who would it be? So you start thinking to yourself, okay, what names are out there, free agency that we could potentially look at, you know, to help. Um, and then, like you say, out of the blue, it was Weddle. You know, he's not played for what, is it two years now. He's not two played. Years. You know, he's what thirty-seven. So you, yeah. you start thinking to yourself, what exactly is he going to bring on the field? But as I've said earlier, I'm wondering if it's more he's been brought in to coach the younger backup safeties to sort of, you know, give them a little bit of a helping hand, you know, because intelligence wise, I think he was probably one of the most intelligent safeties I've ever seen play the game. It was just when he came to us, unfortunately, it was the physical side, you know, he'd lost, you know, that yard of pace and, you know, he seemed a bit off. So, you know, if he's being brought in for a coaching sort of more role and, you know, maybe just sit on the bench, you know, in a like a, a godforsaken emergency, we, we'll let you down to you or nobody else. And yeah, but if he's going to, you know, start potentially start him over the likes of Nick Scott, um, Terrell Burgess, you're sort of thinking, I'm not so comfortable with that idea. But he signed a one-year contract, Tony. So does that show to you that he is going to make some plays? No, I, I agree with Andy on this. I, I think he's been brought in for the practice, practice, um, practices um, during, during between games. I think he's been brought in as that influential veteran who can do the motivation on the practice field and to be there to actually, you know, coach the other the other safeties up. And not that they need coaching up, obviously, but I mean the loss of a, a senior figure like Fuller. That's the gap he's is is filling. Not so much on the on the game field, but on the practice field. Uh, interesting, interesting. Anything else, Andy or Tony? You've seen in relation to players, or have we have we seen any injury reports or training schedules this so far this week? The only thing I've seen so far is about Rap. Obviously, he's still in the concussion protocol at the moment, and obviously, it starts to get worrying. The longer they're in there, mm. you know, the less chance they've got of making game day. You know, so that, I think that's one that I think everybody now is monitoring at the moment. Uh, I think there was something for Darius Williams, but I believe the team are at the moment hopeful that he'll still make it for Monday. And I think, uh, as much as it seems a bit odd, and we'll go into that a little bit more later on. And I think it sort of plays into our hands, especially with those players that are on different protocols and potentially carrying knocks that we are playing Monday. Gives them a couple of extra days, Tony, yeah? It does, yeah. I mean, it, it sucks for us UK fans and European fans with a, a, a one fifteen stroke 2.15 kickoff in the morning. Um, so that, that hurts, but we do, we do have that extra day to get over the Niners' loss and actually get our heads into the new season where we are we are O and O 
and we can <laughs> we can start that run again. I think it was Cooper Cup who came up with that earlier today or tweeted it, and he said, you know, the new season starts here. Oh, good way of looking at it. Good way of looking at it. Uh, the only other one that I've I've seen, which you obviously noted, is on the coaching side, and I think you may have mentioned it briefly there. And the Kevin O'Connell Broncos have requested to have a little chat with him from what we see. Yeah, that that's the one that I heard as well. It's the only one I've seen coaching wise at the moment. Um, you know, but again, I think that's something we need to keep an eye out. Um, but I'm sure a lot of people will be looking more for whether there may be some changes defensively. We'll have to see. I think there seems there's a lot of uh, coaching roles came up, hasn't there, in the last 24, 48 hours? So, and there's going to be a few more of those. But we will keep our ears to the ground, and and you can only obviously look at it. There's picks available potentially for those sort of situations. But and I think Tony, I think you might have mentioned it that the, the, there could be some coaches out there that have, have had head coach jobs that we could actually bring in on coordinator jobs. Yeah, it's, it always seems strange to me that a lot of head coaches then go back into like a coordinator role, only to then get a head coaching role a season or two <laughs> later down the line. And you don't often see that in the in soccer in, no. in the UK and Europe, do you? Um, but it's, it seems to be like an interchangeable role where head coaches don't seem to mind that happening when they leave one head coaching role. And there's a lot of potential out there, but I don't think any coaching... I don't think anybody can make a formal approach for any of our coaches until after the divisional game. Right. I, th- I think that's the right, because then we have like a two-week, yeah, I, I can't remember what the exact terminology, but the, you know, basically it's you can't even talk, you can express an interest in certain coaches, but you can't physically speak to them until after the divisional game, I think. Yeah, totally. I think that's right, yeah. It's the divisional, after the divisional game, you can start uh, doing the interviews. Yeah. Cool. No, we're obviously going to go into the Cardinals and, and Monday Night Football and, and, and talk a little bit more playoffs. But going past that, Andy, you, you've been potentially having a quick look at potentially who could be out there on the free agency. And, and it, it's a little bit finger in the air, but there's a few names that you've been looking at. Yeah, there's there's been a couple names that I've looked at that keep popping up into my head that could be decent signings for us. You know, and I think it's to address what we now perceive as our main weaknesses, which would be at the interior linebacker, you know, somebody like a Devondre Campbell. Um, he should hopefully come for, you know, a reasonable price, which would help for our, you know, cap situation. You know, and he's played well for the Packers this year on a prove-it deal. Obviously, I think it will depend on how he's doing, you know, whether the, the Packers want him, but he would be somebody I'd look at. Um, the other one I'll mention at the moment is for the O-line, potentially a veteran like a Brandon Scherf, um, you know, to give us that stability. Because I think we've got two this year of our own who are up potentially for free agency. So, you know, are we going to keep them? Are we going to let them walk? You know, which means we may potentially have to bring someone else in. But they're, they're the two that sort of keep popping up in my mind that, I'm interested in at the moment that I wouldn't. I would like to see the club maybe if we can push for at the end of the season. Um, but obviously, it's still a lot of it, as we say, is up in the air because you know teams yeah. can still sign. So you know, I'd just say keep an eye out for that because hopefully, at some point, once we get further towards you know free agency starting, I should hopefully be able to get an article up if you know to of who I think you know top five or top ten, you know free agents I'd like to see us sign. 
Yeah, and I think we're obviously hoping to keep the the, the podcast as as live as possible, and we, we hope to be recording next week talking about the next game that we're playing. But it, we will see obviously how the playoffs move forward, and we'll be doing a special draft uh, podcast as we go through, and potentially some other specials as we go, and th- those sort of conversations can be had obviously at those points as well. So watch this space obviously when we come onto that. But let's move into our. First playoff game, obviously it's the wild card game weekend. It's the game potentially we weren't sure where we were going to finish up. Obviously, we thought we're potentially coming in at the three seed rather than the four seed. Obviously, with the with the defeat, that's where we've obviously ended up, and we now know our route through, uh, which potentially could change. We're we're not sure depending on all the game results. But Tony, we're obviously up against the Cardinals at SoFi. What's your first thoughts when you saw that confirmed? Oh, it's it's a tough one because you, you don't really want to be playing a divisional rival in the playoffs if you can at all help it. And it doesn't help that three teams from the NFC West have, have made the playoffs this season. Um, and that sort of hurts in that we may have to face the Niners down the line as well. But if you look at the record since we came back to Los Angeles, we've only lost to the Cardinals twice. And one of those was this season. Mm. And the other one was back in, in you know, January 2017. And uh, Craig, I've just looked at the score and it was 44 6. But, you know, we've got a decent record against them. You know, we do seem to have their number. And I just hope that that, that run can continue. And it's the type of team that we don't usually do well, that well against. Is in so much as that they they are quite a physical team. They have that running quarterback, and yeah, it feels a little bit like the Ravens game when none of us were particularly confident despite their record. And you know, I'm not going to say it's a trap game, but it's not going to be an easy game. We're going to have to be on top of it. A lot of Cardinals fans are going to want to travel for the game. It is a fairly easy trip from Phoenix. And, you know, the fans are going to have to turn up and the team is going to have to turn up and be on top form. I just hope that the that disappointing, gut-wrenching loss to the Niners has been a kick in the backside to the team and that we come out all guns blazing and actually blow them off the pitch. Yeah, and I, and I think that's where you've, you've got to look at it, haven't you? The, you've got to use Sunday's defeat as... The, what hopefully will ignite them into this game and yeah the the, the the Cardinals obviously beat us in so far already this season but there's potential of where they may not be at full strength as well and they've obviously you know DeAndre Hopkins from what, what you obviously see and from what I heard today on a couple of other um, interviews I've seen on NFL Network they are James Connor hasn't practiced this, this week so far as well so they could be Less than 100%, but so are we, I suppose. Yeah, it's a catch-22, isn't it? They're not 100%, um, but, you know, we're not 100% either, you know, and sometimes that's when somebody, not being horrible like a Murray, can be really dangerous because he Mm. hasn't got that Hopkins to pass to, you know, his safety blanket. So, you know, like I've said before with the Cardinals, my my biggest worry is that when Kyler Murray starts getting his legs on and going... We, we struggle, it seems, to contain him and keep him, you know, in check. You know, I, that that's my biggest worry is that, you know, he's going to run all over us and, you know, 
But, you know, at the same time, I'm confident that, you know, Stafford and Cup will get it together. You know, they, they did it in the earlier game, you know, against them a few weeks ago. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we, we can come out and, you know, beat them. I think it's just a case of we're all going to be watching the injury reports for both teams this week now and seeing, you know, who can get together the fittest, healthiest squad before the game. Yeah, I think so. I think one of the, um, not quiet, I suppose, but one of the, probably the, the best, or in my opinion, one of the best signings they've made is actually bringing in Zach Ertz as well, as, which gives them, for me, a completely different look than, obviously, not DeAndre Hopkins not being there, but with having that tight end as as what I think Ertz is a, is a good, good a player as any, I think it gives Murray that little bit extra. Tony, do you... He's got them legs, but he's also got the big units. Obviously, pass it to as well. Yeah, and you know we we showed against the Niners. You know we we don't do particularly well against those big units, and mm. it's it's worrying. Um, but we've already beaten them once this season. Obviously, they've beaten us once as well. And yeah, it feels as though we've lost a little bit of momentum. And I, I am concerned about the game, but I. I just hope we can overcome it and use the use the motivation from losing to the Niners in in a positive way. Will you be watching it live, Andy? Um, I'm not too sure yet. It will <laughs> depend. Oh, to be honest, it will depend on how I'm feeling on on the night. Um, you know, I've got a, I've got to be somewhere Tuesday morning. So, do, do I fancy going through and you know? dragging myself through Tuesday or <laughs> is it probably a little bit better to uh I'll just I'll see how I am what I, what I might do is my usual Monday afternoon have a cheeky nap and then you know see how I feel afterwards and yourself Tony I know you were you sometimes for the late games you're you're in airplane mode and, and try and watch as much as you can in the morning is that your plan it, it, that is my plan at the moment, Chris. But I mean, you know, we've got what four days left before the game, so <laughs> any, anything could change at the moment. You know, I'm 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 easily led and easily persuaded. <laughs> Same with myself. I'm not sure. Uh, and just on another note as well, and and I'm, and I'm, I was speaking with Tony earlier. I've I've been unfortunately been at a family funeral today, but that meant that I had to sit. Um, afterwards with my brother-in-law uh, who if some if remember and Tony will know who is a Saints fan <laughs> and let's say he wasn't the most forthcoming to talk about football have, have they in the first the playoffs, Chris? Uh no and oh. he, he seemed to blame us um, well I won't repeat what he actually said but he didn't call our franchise a very nice name and I'm, I think it just basically Turn the screw a little bit more with how much the Saints hate us, which I loved really a lot. <laughs> uh, you know, as an old-time divisional rival, the Saints, you know, they, they are one of the teams that we do dislike intensely, um, if I can go that far. Um, it's What reason did he come up for us, not make, for them not making the playoffs? How is that our fault? <laughs> Because we didn't do our job by winning the game, apparently, and, <laughs> and I and I said maybe we worked it out at half time that you couldn't have got in if we got beat. And that's a, that was my saving grace on it. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, that is brilliant. <laughs> I love that. So yeah, that, that that was that was my afternoon, gentlemen. So it cheered me up a little bit. Cheered me up a little bit. 
Tony, let's move on to the, the social media. Thank you for everybody sending in your questions. I think there's been a lot of them. There has indeed. You know, the, the loss and the manner of the loss seems to have brought a lot of angst out of our fan base. Um, so, regular correspondent John, who's obviously obviously a, a, a regular podcaster with us, after Sunday, have the defensive coaches watch tackling 101 videos so they can teach defenders how to tackle and not just try to grab ankles. He's, he's got a bit of a rant here, as John. Uh, <laughs> plan to draft only O-linemen with whatever picks we have. If our defence crumbles like that ever again, Morris and some players have to go. That's just my two cents, he says. We threw that game away, literally. Also feel sorry for all the true fans who go to games from wherever and are proud to have the Rams in LA, only to have so many of them be sold tickets. <laughs> they shouldn't have been sold any tickets. And to be fair, you know, I don't think it's the, the franchise actually selling tickets deliberately to away fans. Uh, it's, 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 it's season ticket holders who then put them on the secondary market. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, the, the, the defense didn't come up smelling of roses, did it, Chris? No, it was it, it. On occasion, it looked too easy, and I think Andy said that earlier. Obviously, on that last two-minute drill at the end, it, it looked way too easy, far too soft. Um, and it, I don't know. I don't know if it's was it the picking of the plays, was it the players not executing what they're actually thinking the play was. There was a couple of times of where people are looking around, actually, should I be in the position where I'm not? And it it, it just... And again, was it because of the noise in the, in the stadium? But you'd like to hope that that would be on our, in our favour and the noise is still going to be there, even if we're winning and doing whatever else. But I don't know. Let's just be thankful that the game didn't have a detrimental effect to us actually getting to the playoffs. Because I think this would be a completely different conversation. Indeed. And Andy, any thoughts on the defence? Yeah, again, I think, you know, Morris, um, I think we all know how a lot of fans are now beginning to feel about him. And, you know, I do agree. I think, you know, he has to go at the end of this season. It's not been a good year all round for, for them. Yeah, I know we've had injuries here and there, but... I think I made a point the other week, the, the other day that you know I've never seen Ramsey kicking off a coach the way he has done on numerous times this season with with Morris. You know, and you've seen it time and time again on the sideline. He's flipping his lid at him. You never saw him do that with Staley. You never saw him do that with Wade Phillips. Uh, my worry, not not so much just that the the the, the product on the field. Is that is if players start getting to the point of they don't believe in the coach, are they going to want to stick around or is it going to be a case of, you know, I'm not happy, I don't like this coach, you're not getting rid of him, so I want to be traded. You know, yeah. and that, that's another thing that does worry me is that there's a falling out with the players and the coaching staff and some of our top stars may go, forget this, I'm out of here. And I think that leads quite nicely into another um, message we have on Twitter is from Scott Landrams. Uh, has Raheem Morris done enough to keep the DC job? Could it be a blessing in disguise if he's asked to interview for a head coach position? If he does move on, then who would they like to see in his place? And that was followed up by since 73, saying, Raheem, Raheem, you need transportation to all these head coaching interviews, probably after Sunday, after you probably end 
There's a lot of problems in this. End Ram season giving up winning TD to cards, starting at their 10 yard line down by. I don't think since 73 is very happy about this. <laughs> I, th- I think he's pretty. I think he's pretty much offering to drive Raheem Morris away <laughs> from Los Angeles to whichever city might actually want. I think um, it's a good job that by the sounds of it, that Twitter increased the characters on this tweet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope that since '73, Scott so- SoCal fan '73 actually feels better for posting both the little gif <laughs> underneath of a limousine and and that little rant. But I mean, could could it be a blessing in disguise, Andy, if Raheem Morris is cooked, yes. uh, poached away? Oh yes, but I don't see it happening. No, I don't either. <laughs> if if anything, I think it's just going to have to be a case of he has to go discussing you know as say with who's available or what have you i would love to see somebody like a Vic fangio get the job i think him as a an older head an older statesman alongside mcveigh would go back to that wade phillips mcveigh early years for us and i think having that senior head next to him would be a good thing a lot of people have been touting flores but it seems to be more likely he's going to get another head coaching job by the looks of it but mm. fangio to me would be my ideal pick for you know he's a as much as he may not have had the best time with you know the Broncos as a head coach as a defensive coordinator he was up there as one of the best and that's why you know so I that's my guy for me that's my personal guy and and Scott Kirkwood again on on Twitter follows up this theme says do you think we should be looking at recruiting a new defensive coach and I think you've answered that Andy yeah Uh, all season long we've had the same issues Chris is do you think it's a personnel issue or is it the coaching? I don't. I don't know really. I think, Chris, that the people know I'm a Man United fan. We've got the same issue as well. Is <laughs> is it is it the coaching or is it the personnel not believing in the coaching or is it a mixture of the two? I'm not sure. And 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 what Andy said there, I think potentially could be the the one reason why things may have been looking a little bit different is that. Jalen Ramsey will quite happily get in the coach's face and give it him. And now Jalen Ramsey is one of the senior players on that side of the ball. People respect him. He's probably one of the best players in the NFL in his position, if not up there with with some of the best players full stop. So if he's doing that and you're being told to do something, when those players are on the field and that's being fed through to whoever's calling the plays, are they actually doing the play that's being called? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's fairly obvious that we do, we do have the players, especially at the top end, the elite end. We have the defensive players to make it work. Yeah. But obviously, when you're signing signing players of that quality, there is a price tag that comes with that, which means so. which means that when you're working further down that depth chart, the quality isn't up to that same level. You can't recruit. You know, you can't recruit second-tier players. You're looking at third- and fourth-tier players instead because you, you can't fit them into the salary cap. So I, and that's I'm the a, issue with our draft, and that's our draft protocol, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And that's just the way that the franchise does it. Yeah, and it, yeah. It's, it's great because we have, we have so many star players that can, that can turn the game on its head by making one fantastic place. You know, and looking back at that Jalen Ramsey interception... Where he juggled the ball and went, got wrestled it and caught it, and then made like a I think it was fifteen yards away away from the the zone. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, that was a great play. That was, it was a great skill. Um, but it does mean that the players behind them aren't, uh, aren't close to that skill level. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I think we've done the the defence for Twitter a quite quite a good service there. But just a shout out to Daniel Flint, who has issues. He has issues <laughs> with the Rams blowing a 17-point lead and now being the fourth seed. But um, I'm, I'm glad you added that little bit to the question because he was thinking he had issues there, bless him. But, but it's more about the blowing the lead. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I think he's opening up and looking for some love here, is Daniel. But uh, I think it was more of a statement than a, than a question there from Daniel. But uh, yeah. we feel your pain. I think it's a statement a lot of people are asking is how. Um, and moving across to Facebook, um, Steve Steve McCannis, McCangus, McCangus, there we go. Um, with a great performance in the first half, if we can play it like that all the time, I think we can trouble anyone. How worried should we be after Sunday's second half performance or did we just take the foot off the gas? Also left frustrated again with some of McVeigh's playing cut play calling. Bit of a long post, but keep up the great work, guys. <laughs> Kudos yeah. to the commentators. He, he's, he's right, and we've covered a lot of this, but uh, I can see you want to come in there, Andy. Go ahead. Yeah, again, I was just going to say, it's like we harped on earlier. To me, it's a case of there's no adjustment, of there's no capability of adjustment. You need to change your game plan, and we never did. Um, yeah, there may have been a little bit of, you know, oh, this is, we're cruising here, let's take our foot off the gas. Uh, as was said earlier, may, maybe the statistic of, you know, what was it, 46-0, we've won when we've led at half time. Maybe there's that little bit of arrogance there as well, and I think it could probably a combination of it all is just the 49ers realised they had to win that game to, to qualify for the playoffs, and they just, I think, wanted it that little bit more than we did, I feel. Yep, and Duncan McPhee also comes in here, more of a statement than anything else, I think. Do you guys think that the Rams are too nice on the field and we get bullied out of too many easy games? I'd like to see our players with more of Ramsey's attitude getting in the face of opponents. And I I don't know, I can can see his point, particularly with the Niners game, but Chris, are, are we too nice on the field? I think sometimes, yes. I want to see some more people getting smashed. If I'm truthfully honest with you, I think there's, and I think someone said in one of the comments there, there's too much of ankle grabbing. You know what I mean? Yep. Not not to get done for unnecessary roughness, but you've got to make the player know that you're there. And again, <laughs> as as much as it as it pains that my my brother-in-law talking about that play of where Ruby Coleman obviously did what he did to get us through that championship game. But he he put the hit on and he made the play. Yes, it was one of those plays that potentially went in our favour, but he still had to make the hit. You don't see that and, and at the moment, and it just feels like they are letting them get to a position and then hit. It feels like to me that we need to get to that ball quicker. And, it, and it, again, is that a, you get into that time of the season where that, quick twitch fibre potentially isn't it as quick as it was in week one. You'd like to hope as you now go into playoff football that that, that kicks into gear a little bit more and you get to that ball because we spoke earlier obviously Darius Williams for potentially a, a, a flip on him and it, let's hope he makes the game on Monday but look at the picks that, that he made last season that got him into position where he was. He was quick off the line and, and picking that ball I think there was one where obviously he, he took it midair and, and, and run run it into the house. It doesn't feel like we could do that on the ball, other side of the ball at the moment. And that 
is where we we were we're winning. We need to win games by getting the defensive points, and I think that could win us or getting us through a little bit further. Excellent, Andy. Anything to add there? Yeah, I think it's just you know. I hate harping on, keep harping on about it as I've done through the season, but we're soft and squishy in the middle. You, you, our interior linebackers. Aren't we all after Christmas, Andy? Well, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, I can, yeah, it's just a bit. <laughs> but, you know, our interior linebackers are second string, third string at best. So they have to bring other players in to try and, you know, fill that box, which is leaving other issues. You know, I think if we had a stronger more physical interior core to, to make that initial smash on the tight ends, smash on the running backs, it would probably, you know, free that up because you'd start having quarterbacks panicking, you know, that, oh, crap, he's going to come at me next. And, you know, I've yeah. got to lob it, you know, and that's where I think last season we were getting a few more picks because quarterbacks were more worried, whereas this year it's Troy Reader and at the moment Traven Howard. Not exactly names that fill you with dread each week. I think that's the difference between years. Sorry to jump in again there, and I think that's and I think that's because of the the potential stars that we have on our often on our defensive line, and you're quite happy to leave them to actually do the work because if you're any defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator. You're going to make sure Adam Donald is covered. You're going to make sure Leonard Floyd's covered. And you're going to make sure Von Miller's covered because they're the danger. Mm. But actually, you're quite happy to leave the other two because they're going to be soft and they're not going to hit you as hard. And that's the issue. We've now got to work it that it's passing around a little bit more because if you let those three free, that's the smash. And that's what we need to do. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to read a few of well, the rest of the Facebook um, comments here. So I think we've covered this uh, Michael Warboys why with so many top players are we still weak I think we covered that a little bit earlier with the you know the the, the salary cap um, Ian Woodley I hope that Tom's reply says why can't we beat the 49ers even with a 17 point start uh, Paul Milligan PFF have our offensive line blocking grade fairly high but Sunday night exposed their weakness should we be worried about facing dominant defensive lines in the playoffs Yes, we should be worried, and I think we've covered that already. Uh, the other one was Danny Edrelin, third down and a foot, 38 seconds before half time. I mean, the line of scrimmage and the first down marker are almost overlapping each other. <laughs> why, why do we seem to have aversion to running the ball? I get it, we want more points, but you should know when to hold and when to fold. Um, the momentum changes since then. I think we covered that when we looked at the game in general. But um, mm-hmm. the other one I wanted to go was, um, I, I think we covered it a little bit, but maybe short answers on this one, guys, but we're running out of time. But Gary Burke, what are the chances that we beat both of our divisional rivals and get to the championship game? Did Have we talked about this? Or was this our chat beforehand, Chris? I think you looked so at this, this was So this was going to be the next point that I actually come in and I was going to put it to yourself, actually, Andy, and then to Tony, because we had a quick chat earlier. So I've got on my phone at the present moment in time, I'm looking at the playoff so you can do your picks. So who goes where? So we've, 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 we've beaten the Cardinals, Andy. We're through on that game. Do we go to Green Bay or do we go to Tampa Bay because the, because San Francisco have beaten Dallas? Oh, do you know what? I'd think I'd rather go to Tampa Bay. Interesting. 
I would rather go to Tampa. I don't think... I'm not confident our team in a cold Lambo would cope as much as we would so, at Tampa Bay. So you're hoping for a San Francisco win in Dallas. So then we obviously then go to Tampa. Yeah. It, that's if Tampa beat the Eagles, obviously. Uh, yeah. I'd, to, be, to be honest, that, that that one, if they don't beat, then, you know, seriously <laughs> gone wrong. But there we go. How, how the Eagles get in, I don't know. But hey, that's a different question. Which potentially is that's the way then that we can then play the San Francisco is then if they then beat the Packers. Yeah. And we would then meet them in the championship game. And if that was to happen, it's it would be one hell of a run. It's going to be one hell of a run to get through to the Super Bowl anyway, whichever way we go. Mm. So to beat the current champions and probably beat, if not what has been the best team, being the number one seed, Green Bay, depending on whichever way you go, and then the championship game is a championship game. It's we, We've not made it easy for ourselves, but it will be one hell of a run, Tony. Well, if if we could make that sort of pick, you know, the the Cardinals followed by Tampa Bay on the road or the Eagles at home, followed by the Niners at home in the championship game, <laughs> that would be exciting, wouldn't it? I'm not quite sure my heart could take it if I'm truthfully honest with you. <laughs> yeah, same here. <laughs> I remember lying on my living room floor after we beat the Saints last time we got there. I don't know if I could cope. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have us on my picks uh, in a winning Super Bowl against the Titans. If anybody's interested, that's an interesting one. That would actually be a good. I think that would be a fantastic game. And as Tony says, that game has history. Yes. Hmm. Are we any more, Tony? No, I've, I've name checked everybody, and I think we've covered every single question in 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 one level or another. No, thank you very much for those. It's superb that everybody keeps getting those questions in and, and we appreciate it a lot and it wouldn't be what we do if you, if you guys obviously didn't do that. So we appreciate that. And we made sure we name-checked everybody so everybody is still making sure that they can tell their grandchildren that they had their name read out on the LA Rams UK podcast in many moons to come. Any other business, gentlemen? Uh, the only thing I've seen while we've been chatting is the NFL's top 10 quarterbacks has been released. Uh-huh. Uh, and St- Matt Stafford is at number eight. Number eight? Yes. Give, I, me the, give me the full top 10 if you've got it in front of you. Yep. Uh, number one, Brady. Two, Rogers. Three, Herbert. Four, Burrow. Five, Mahomes. Six, Allen. Seven, Murray. Eight, Stafford. Nine, Prescott. And ten, Derek Carr. Number three was Herbert. Yeah, yeah, Justin Herbert. Interesting. So a quarterback uh, makes it to a number three and doesn't get out of the, into the playoffs. Yeah. Hmm. And yet the guy who beats him is number 10. Yeah. It's a strange yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Just as a quick question to you two gentlemen, completely off-piste, which I've not actually asked you. That game, as they went into that final game, if it was a draw, both would have made the playoffs between the Chargers and the and the Raiders. I believe so, yeah. Why didn't they just take a knee all the way through? And that would have really messed the NFL up. Yeah, that would have been, but, you know. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I did wake up during the night, and I think it was 34-all, wasn't it? So there was, there was every potential for it to be a, a legitimate... Well, the, the coach has actually come out, didn't he, in a press conference after the game and said it was discussed on the touchline 
and they were seeing the Raiders were seeing what the Chargers did on a certain play, and they were actually discussing doing that. Okay. that but that was in overtime, right? Which how would the NFL have attacked that? Because going into that game, they were talking about it on the Sky footage that both teams knew a draw would get them through. Mm. I know that's not the the ethics of the game, but it, they could have done it, and there's nothing the NFL could have done. And, and I think that the only way that the NFL could have got themselves involved is if they could have found any type of conversation or collusion between the yeah. two franchises at any sort of level. But if if there was no conversation and they just read each other's body language on the field or they did, you know, kneel in certain situations when they knew it was going to be a draw and the other team reciprocated, you know, could the refs have done anything on the field? I don't know. I don't think they could. I don't know. It would have been an interesting situation, but no, cheers. I, I suppose the danger as well would be, you know, you'd start getting people saying, oh, you know, it's a bet and fix, you know, and then you're going down that whole road. Maybe the clubs just don't want to go down that route. It was, an interesting, it was an interesting one at the time. And then yeah. as I switched off and went to bed, I was like, let's see what happens in the morning. Yeah, exactly. And then when I realised it had gone to overtime, I was like, oh my God, they tried. <laughs> <laughs> no, interesting. But no, interesting top 10 now. I think it's, uh, I wonder if that's the highest he's ever been. That would be interesting statistic. I'll leave that one for you gentlemen to have a look into. Is that the, the highest that Matthew Stafford's ever been in the in the top 10 or within the quarterbacks in the NFL? I would sure. imagine so. Apart from maybe his playoff year, I can't think of any other years when I'd, I could think he would maybe get there. Mm. Tony, anything else from yourself? No, I'm good. Thank you, Chris. No, good stuff. Well, no, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. We obviously are now in playoff football. It is lose or go on holiday. Simple as that, isn't it? Because that is what all these players will be, be doing now. And there'll be some, obviously, that wishing they were in the playoffs that are on holiday. Hi, Saints. Um, but no, we will be hopefully back next week to discuss that game and then discuss the divisional game. Where we go depends, obviously, on the other wildcard games, which are obviously in the UK, spread all the way across uh, the Sky coverage. Does that mean it's all off on Game Pass, Tony? You're going to be the man in that, or are they still showing it? I, I believe that um, all clubs are off with the playoffs that you can access either either via Sky or via your Game Pass subscription. So there yeah, you go. that's correct. Whichever way you want to watch it is there available to you people. So thank One you very much, One quick question Tony. for you both oh, go before ahead. we go. Go ahead, please do. Given that we're the final, obviously the final game of the wildcard weekend, do you think that will play in our benefit or our favour? Interesting. Not sure. Because you effectively know the route that you're going to go. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to hope it would feed you better because you know there's no sort of waiting to find out which way you're going to go. You know, You know your route, so go and get it for me. Yeah, I don't think there's any detriment to it. You know, it gives us an extra day, but leaves us with a short week going into the divisional round. Yeah, and if the playoff brackets work, as we've just discussed, where San Francisco end up going to Green Bay and we have the opportunity to either host the Eagles or go to Tampa Bay, I think that might be a motivator. But if we know that we've got to go to Green Bay... I don't think that'll be a demotivation. I think it'll just be, let's win the game and see where we can get to. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, fair no. enough, just wondering. Nice question, yeah. like that. 
Like that, like that indeed. But no, Tony, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Chris. Andy, thank you again. Yep, thanks for having us on again, guys. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Definitely so. Everybody stay safe out there. Let's get a win. Let's move through this playoffs. I, f- I feel a home Super Bowl coming on. Thanks, gents. Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more, make sure you follow the guys on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Los Angeles Rams UK or head to laRams.uk for articles and merch.